In today's podcast for Future CIO, we speak to Tony Beller, Worldwide Partner Ecosystem for TIBCO, to discuss the options available to enterprises trying to decide uh, the software path to take. Welcome to Podchats, Tony. Hi, thank you, Alan. Uh, thanks for having me. Please give us the TIBCO 30-second elevator pitch. At TIBCO, we are considered the, the data company, right? So we our go-to-market is how we connect, unify, and analyze data. We like to you know, talk about how do we move the data across the, the enterprise through that uh, spectrum from connecting, unifying the data, and analyzing the data. Why do people build software and what are the motivations behind it? You know, people build software in all kinds of you know, industries when they feel like they have enough capacity and resources internally to sustain and, and really maintain that software, right? Uh, they have the, the developers and the capacity and, the, and really the skill sets to do so. For businesses that want to build software, what are the challenges that they must accept and maybe even overcome, including perhaps years down the road, so beyond the original development and going to production? Uh, there's a few things, right, Ellen? So there's the the patches that come with you know software development, especially if it's on-premise. There's the maintenance of that software, upgrades, ongoing features that need to be incorporated into that software. So there's quite a bit of a kind of the life cycle of any software development needs to be incorporated into that. Into that. It can be quite, quite tedious. And at what point should a business consider a buying option as opposed to building one? Well, there's a couple of, uh, a couple of things. One is if they want velocity in their business, nowadays, you know, companies need to be, you know, really ready to kind of go into the speed of the business, right? So if they want speed, they probably want to buy from someone else that already has the, the software and, and the capabilities to do so. Uh, if they want to, you know, shorten the life cycle in terms of development to get the upgrades and the feature settings that they need, they probably want to buy versus build. But I think it mostly is going to speed to market is where they want to buy. They decide to build. They need to keep in mind that they'll have to, you know, have the skill sets and the life cycles and the in-house to do so. Uh, should enterprises worry about IP when if they take a buy approach? That is a very common thing that we, at least, you know, and you know, here at Tipco and the other companies that I worked for in the past, um, it's, it's kind of the the typical conversation that we have when we have we're doing an OEM or we're, we're selling software to someone who wants to embed the software into their product and it's the IP ownership the IP of the OEM or the the person who's selling the software in this case let's say Tipco we own our IP in terms of the technology that is underneath that software anything that's built on top the buyer owns that IP right so there's a kind of a delineation of you know what where the where the IP it's owned. An example of you said you know you, you said you own, you build your own website. The software that you use to build your website is the the company that owns that software owns that IP. But anything you put on top of that software, that's your own IP. Okay, so let's say okay, I've decided okay, I I will take the buy approach. But then today, particularly in, in an open source environment, there are so many options available out there. So many different. Support. Suppliers of the same thing. So, when selecting a buy approach from multiple potential platforms, uh, what should one bear in mind or keep in mind to help make sure that they are going in the right direction? Yeah, I think there's a couple of uh, uh, things that one should consider when buying software for the purpose of you know then using that software for for their own business. Uh, one is uh, you know long term 
longevity of that 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 software you know they plan to have that software build their ip and then sell it to someone else and have longevity you know they need to look at the longevity of that the other business where they're buying the software from i'll say some open source companies that you know it can be questionable the longevity of that of that product uh second you know support when you are buying software and you're going to use it to, uh, to power your product or whatever to sell to someone else you still need support. So what's the support that you're gonna receive from the vendor on that the software they're buying? And that's pretty critical, especially for large enterprises, people that you know resell or sell that software somewhere else, that, that support is, is critical. And then the last thing that I, that I see is kind of the maintenance, the upgrades, these kind of ongoing innovation that goes into that, the software that's been bought is, is critical, right? Because uh, at the speed that technology is going, innovation is critical. And so you want to make sure that whatever software you're buying to power your technology, it's, it's constantly innovating and you're incorporating that into your product. More recently, we've started to hear the, the, the two words, the no code and the low code technologies has the no code or low code impacted decisions related to the buying and or building of uh, software that's a great question alan i think it uh, <laughs> i hate to give this answer but it all depends uh it'll depend on what you're trying to do and how much you want to maintain right uh, i think nowadays there's you know platform as a service there's you know software as a service all this different acronyms that you were here in, in the cloud and, and, and other things. Uh, I think no code gives you a great ability to kind of go fast because there's no coding, less, you know, less skills that you have to build in-house, kind of build product on top of that software, but also you rely on the vendor for more support to make sure that, he, that they are on top of things. And so that's one thing to consider. So the second piece, if it's a more code, you have to build those skill sets in-house, especially if it's if it's not, you know, a, you know, something that is, you know, market ready, uh, then you have to build more and more skills in house. So I see more and more companies kind of building, you know, going more in the low, the, on the low code side. Uh, if they don't have, if they want to build the capabilities. If they want to code, they have to have those capabilities in house, and hopefully those capabilities are something that are market ready, like you know, typical, you know, things that you know you can find developers anywhere. So Java, et cetera, et cetera. So. I think there's going to, I'll say 50-50 in the marketplace where I see local versus uh, no code. It all depends on what you're trying to do. Let's go specific to TIBCO and its OEM strategy. What is the value proposition that TIBCO offers with regards to its OEM strategy? Yeah, so we, we've we been in the OEM business for many, many years. And that's going to, first and foremost, our, uh, our value proposition is that we have software that has been proven in the marketplace, right? You know, starting from our integration products, we've been in the mar in the marketplace for like more than 15, 20 years, and it's proven, right? So if you're gonna, if any customer or any vendor is gonna OEM our, our integration products, it's proven in the marketplace, it's enterprise ready, no no doubt about that. If you're talking about more uh, newer products, um, uh, for example, predictive uh, analytics, you know, same thing, there's our enterprise ready, as, uh, products that can scale, right? The biggest thing about our products is they can scale in the enterprise, any type of industry. And so it's proven technology, scale. And we also provide very flexible, you know, pricing models. And we are very open about our OEM strategy in terms of how we price, how we go commercially, how we support our OEMs. We have just proven technology. Does it matter if yeah. a company buys from a cloud native vendor? Yeah, I, I think it, it depends on, and many times, 
on the industry, but it's, it's about, it's, I think it's a matter of preference. We, for example, at Tipco, we, we, we can offer both, right? We can run on public cloud or, or on-premise. Uh, it's a matter of preference. And also, I think it's, it depends on the industry, the geography. It, it really all depends. I, I think, I mean, the cloud offers you know, more of a subscription-based, and you don't need to buy you know, infrastructure to, to put software in. So it's just a matter of preference, depending on the industry and the geography. So it, it just really just about those kind of decision-making processes where they go through industry and, and geography. Now, who should be involved in this? Lately, we've started to see a lot more business unit uh, leaders getting involved in the type of software that they acquire or use for their business, right? Now, so we go back to that question, who should get involved? Is it just a purely IT, this CTO, CIO kind of decision? Or does it require a lot more people involved in deciding the path to choose? You know, I, I'll tell you from my experience, you know, in Tipco and, you know, the companies that I work for, you know, when it becomes about OEMing uh, software, we see, you know, a, it could be a CIO or CTO, it could be a chief product officer, all the way up to the, C, the CEO, depending on the size of the company. We, for example, sell to all, size, all uh, company sizes, and we often would deal with the CEO, the chief product officer, the CTO, the CIO. So I think it's pretty typically pretty high in the organization, uh, as typically at the C-suite level, because so those are decisions that you know will drive the business going forward. So it's typically at the C-suite. If you have to look at it from your experience working on the OEM side, what is the hurdle that companies must get over when it comes to making the decision, the buy decision? Probably the first one is that you have to pay <laughs> on a recurring basis, you know, for, to, back to the vendor whether you sell product or not, right? So you're typically embedding, you know, someone else's software to sell to someone else and you have to pay royalties, you may have to pay up front. So the fact that you have to still pay the vendor for the use of your software, whether you just you sell software or not, right? That's gonna be the the, native, the the nature of OEM in a product. And secondly that you're really tied to someone else's, you know, technology and uh, someone else's you know, innovation, they have to live with that, right? But this is why kind of the decision process, typically when you when someone buys OEM, those sales cycles are long because you got to prove to the buyer that you are sustainable, you can you have the right commercial terms, you have, you're going to be able to support and you are bringing the right innovation to the table. What would be the, say, the top advice that most uh, CEOs and uh, the rest of the C-suites have to contend with in the course of making this OEM decision? What should they be asking the vendor, for example? What should they be asking Tipco? Well, we get asked all the, all the time. And I think uh, repeating a little of what I said, you know, some commercial terms, support. I think support is, is critical. I would even say enablement and training on the product. Believe it or not, you know, a lot of companies don't provide that. Uh, we do. And then uh, last but not least, you know, what type of innovation and how often that innovation comes uh, into the table. And, you know, with innovation also comes like, once that innovation comes, you know, how much time do I have to incorporate that innovation? Do I have to incorporate that innovation? And what support and training and enablement do I get from the vendor on that innovation? So those are critical things that, you know, happen in any sales cycle when you're selling your product to any, you know, C-level executive. Tony, thank you very much for joining us on Podchats for Future CIO. Thank you, Alan, for having me. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll talk to you soon. That was Tony Beller, Worldwide Partner Ecosystem. Tibco on the topic of considerations for building rather than buying software. You are listening in to Podchats for Future CIO. 
As always, do email us at editors at society.com for topics you'd like us to cover on this channel. See you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now. Thank you.